Welcome everyone. So this is a special episode. I was invited to Sport Tech Research Podcast as a guest. And this podcast is hosted by Christoph DeMay from Sport Tech Research Network. Christoph kindly allowed me to publish this episode also in Physical Activity Research Podcast. You can listen it, but check out also his podcast and the Sportech Research Network, which is a non-profit initiative bringing together research-driven professionals from academia, industry, and sports field practice with the common goal to create and bring to market the most trustworthy and effective sports technology solution based on science. But without further ado, let the host of this episode, Christoph Dumay, start. Welcome to the Sports Tech Research Podcast. We connect research-driven professionals working within the sports technology ecosystem. The show is brought to you by STRN, Sports Tech Research Network. Your host for today is Christophe de May. So hi, everybody. Welcome again in the Sports Tech Research Podcast. This is already the fourth episode in the second series of episodes in which I'm interviewing other podcast hosts in the sports, health, physical activity, technology area. Today, I'm happy to speak to Oli from Fibion. But as always, it's better that the person I'm interviewing is introducing himself. So Oli, welcome in the show. And yeah, please introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, sir. First of all, thank you, Christoph, for inviting. I think it's good work you are doing with the podcast and with the network, and it's an honor to be as a guest. So, yeah, my name is Olli Tikkonen, and like most of the Finns, the name is ending with N-E-N. <laughs> That's how you how you spot a Finn. That is kind of meaning like a small ending. So my last name is Woodpecker. Or a small woodpecker. I didn't yeah. even know. <laughs> yeah, not, not even all Finns kind of associated. But yeah, I was born in Kajani, which is two hours south from the Arctic Circle, which is certain kind of place, not much sunlight in the winter. And it's about perspective. Maybe you can think that we are saving the daylight in winter, that we can enjoy more in the summer, or we are spending all of it in the summer and we have nothing left <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the winter. And yeah, from my sport background, I was semi-professional Finnish baseball player for quite a bit of time. And then I moved to martial arts. And I think I have been lucky not to have too many fast twitch muscle fibers. So I've been able to do sports for more than 30 years without any torn muscles. So <laughs> if you are untalented, it might be good for your longevity. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I have done my master's degree and PhD in University of Uvascula in Finland. I was studying sport coaching and fitness testing, and I did my PhD about daily muscle activity, looking muscle activity or maybe the lack of muscle activity. And when I was doing my master's and I think I finished it, I went to work to a sport institute Sport Institute of Pajulahti and there I was doing teaching some courses and also working in a testing center where there were some athletes 
coming. And from there, I actually got a call from a company called Mega Electronics. And they were looking for a product manager. They were making mainly electromyography devices, measuring muscle activity. But they also had accelerometers, EEG, ECT, EOG, and many different biosignals. So there I kind of saw the industry side that how is it to measure different signals, how customers can use it. I was visiting universities and hospitals in Europe, US, Southeast Asia, and and spent some time in China and Korea. So if any of the listeners are, for example, thinking of those markets, maybe I can have help a bit or have some insights on that. Yeah, and earlier we covered a bit, let's say, early venturing stage of Fibion in the spin-off article, where we actually realized it's not really a spin-off. You started as, of course, based on your own expertise and so on, but it's not really an academic spin-off, but still closely related to academia. Yeah, so basically I was doing my PhD about daily muscle activity, and we had some interventions where we gave feedback about sitting habits of people and they were able to change it with quite easily with some feedback in their free time and then with my colleague Arto Pesola who was doing his PhD also in the same project we kind of started flirting with the idea of a company and went to this kind of matchmaking meetings and sparring the business idea then after a while we made the company but like you said Christoph it wasn't real spin-off. It was kind of just inspired from the research ideas. And at one point, our idea was quite intensive product development in the beginning as we didn't develop it in the university. So I went to do my postdoc in Shanghai. I was able to work same time for the company and then get some money from research work. And it was interesting time and a good two years in Shanghai. And then Fibion was established. When did you start with the podcast then linked to the company? Or could you maybe tell a little bit more about why you started it and what's a bit the rationale behind having the podcast? Yeah, sure, sure. So I think the podcast is soon about three years, three years old. And I have always liked science. And in that, I mean mainly the synthesis part where you actually kind of learn information and you combine it. I'm not the biggest fan of act of doing research, kind of analytical, because then you spend like six months with the Excel and you go once in a conference and nobody's watching the presentation. (laughs) So I think the podcast provided a great way of just learning science and maybe trying to synthesize the knowledge and to speak like, clever people. And of course, it works as a good marketing tool at the same time. And I think in 2018, I was listening a podcast from Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if many know, but he's kind of, he's loud talker <laughs> yeah, of yeah. social media marketing. And, and he, <laughs> yeah, he said that you're an idiot if you don't create a podcast. And that was 2018. I was thinking like, Yeah, he might be right. (laughs) So I actually started the podcast and basically just ordered the microphone from Amazon and invited my friend for coffee and we just put it on. And that's the first episode. It's still available. You can, you can hear a huge (laughs) echo. It was, it was in the kitchen table next to a really big window and huge echo. 
and just started doing episodes. And maybe I had like five episodes with my colleagues, with my friends who I know. And then I was thinking, oh, I just sent emails to Australia to like good researchers. And to my big surprise, they said yes. And I was like, oh, now I need to actually learn how to how to get the, the audio. Right there. What will I ask those people? <laughs> yeah, and, and ask questions. So that was nice. And this far, we have actually like 350 episodes and we are close to 100,000 listens. It's been growing nicely. We have now the normal episodes. We have a practitioner's viewpoint where we interview health and fitness professionals and we also have meaningful sport series which is led by Nora Ronkainen which is a little bit different aspect but I think it's kind of the audience even if you are quantitative researcher you are still usually you like running you like being outdoors so it kind of it's kind of a big mix of different kinds of episodes but I think the listener base is quite the same and it's really fun to do you get to interview nice people you learn all the time when you do it and maybe for listeners when you actually get the processes going you have a calendar invite system where you just your guests are booking time you have an automatic cloud service like we are using now and when you are not perfectionist you just this didn't go really well or i didn't have time to prepare with good questions it's usually still valuable for the listeners. So it is, I think, less work than it seems if you do it in a certain way and it's fun to do. I think I can confirm what you mentioned. I started a little bit later with the podcast, but yeah, indeed, it's a bit, let's say, a win-win situation. On the one hand, you learn. On the other hand, it's nice to have some exposure. And of course, people listening also hopefully can learn as well from what's being said. You've talked already to a lot of people. You mentioned 300 and more. Of course, this podcast is linked to the Sports Tech Research Network. And then with the network, we try to facilitate knowledge transfer between academia, industry, and practitioners. Did you come across any interesting challenges or needs when it comes to future research and development in this area? This could be for you and Phoebeon as a company, but maybe there are other topics being discussed or needs that are explored within the conversations that you had that might be interesting for other people to know about because, yeah, maybe there is some opportunity for future research and future maybe startups to be established based on all of these new ideas. Yeah, that's a good question. And let's say that we are mainly interviewing researchers about their research. We don't have as much like you are interviewing spin-offs and researchers who have actually commercialized their products. So we go a little bit different route most of the time. But I think there's you can learn a lot, I think, if you want to, for example, your aim is to make a startup company. I think those many of the episodes are good because there's researchers sharing 30 years of their research knowledge and we have had like quite many researchers who are doing studies with accelerometers and with ai and i think there's a lot to be done the technology have got very small it's easier to use and there's a lot of need inactivity and lack of exercise it's a global problem so all kind of different solutions are needed there for researchers to be able to study it better. 
but also to change the behavior of people, which is challenging. Some people might get excited of steps. Some people definitely don't. And maybe also listening like psychology, what kind of things can work and not always think about that. What can we measure? And then let's just show the results for people. Then they will change because this probably majority of people, it doesn't work that way. So you might need to think something. For example, like I have this Komoot app, which is kind of navigation in the forest. And I put it on and it records the route. And when I take pictures, in the end, when I click just finish, it creates a slideshow with music. It shows that where did I go on the map and it shows the nice pictures that I took on the way. So maybe this kind of thing, just that it creates stories for me from my trips. That might be motivating for some people. I don't care at all how many kilometers I did or how long it was. For me, it's the pictures and the music behind. Is that also, let's say, the area where you think there is the most need for future research? Is in that, let's say, motivational, behavioral change, psychology type of area, then linked to more like the biomedical, physical areas and, and yeah. then, of course, the techno technological areas? Is that also the area that you believe is, let's say, most needed in terms of more? That's a good question. And For most people, it feels like that. For example, they think that, why do we study sitting? We know that it's unhealthy, but like nobody even thought about it before 2007. And actually, even now, we don't really know why is it unhealthy? What are actually the limits? How does it interplay with active? If you are active every day, like you exercise, does it make a difference? What should be the limit? So... I think there is need also for this kind of basic quantitative research in many things because we are all the time learning. It doesn't feel like that when you look backwards. We kind of really quickly start to think that we have always known this. This is like logical, but you need the studies. But of course, for making change in people's behavior, I think it comes to psychology, but also like bigger pictures, like kind of the whole system, what is the environment, what is the atmosphere, how do individuals are part of bigger community. I'm not an expert of those, but it's more complicated than we think. And then, of course, the next step in many cases is how to bring all of that know-how into the real world. Of course, you're doing this with Phibion. Maybe, maybe it's nice because we didn't really talk about what Phibion is actually doing. Maybe it's nice to shortly summarize, but a question... I was having myself in preparing this episode was, yeah, you talked with so many experts. Did you extract certain learnings or maybe issues or problems that people have seen when they try to focus more on the translational aspects and bringing their know-how into actual solutions that can be used in the field? Yeah, yeah. And I think bringing them to solutions is not the most difficult part. Like if you are developing algorithms, for example, in your research, you can quite easily create the product of that. But how do you create the product that you can make it profitable before running out of your cash? That's the thing. How do you get people to know? How do you educate about it? How do you get them actually pay for it? It takes usually five times more time than you think because you are looking at companies that 
have already established that and it seems that all right they are just you know advertising with google adwords and that's it but it's much more difficult usually and many researchers think that if there's no other products like what we are planning that it would be easier because there's no competition but then you are alone educating the customers so sometimes it might be easier to create a product that somebody's already selling and just make it better so you can kind of steal the customers in a way do you think sports and physical activity researchers should be better educated when it comes to the entrepreneurial side of things or yeah other people's opinion is of course okay let the researchers do their research if there is a person who wants or has uh, entrepreneurial ambitions we'll see we'll help that person but let them be the researcher and let other people build a business upon it whereas others for sure in the whole entrepreneurial ecosystem area and universities are a bit pushed of course also to become more relevant and offer incubator programs and all kinds of transferable skills training and those type of things and often yeah it doesn't really work or i think it's not always that effective because yeah it's really difficult to motivate or change human behavior again in trying to make entrepreneurs from researchers what's your vision on things i think that's good and i think like you have quite often like people sparring startup founders or founders to be and i think those people are living in a difficult situation because they try to give you a realistic view that do you actually know your customer do you know how to get there but then they want to be encouraging because we need more startups we need them so quite often it's kind of they are critical but then they are encouraging in the end that yeah probably you should make a company out of this and usually i think the researchers and founders to be are listening the encouraging part and not as well as they should the realistic part so from my experience i think that's super important like what is your go to market strategy you write the canvas and so on you say that all right i will do google adwords trade shows and social media and that's it and you you <laughs> think that will like work like how much does one trade show cost with the flights with the hotel how much do you think you will have cash how many you can do how many customers you will get from one trade show when nobody knows you you can probably do like two and then you run out of money and for example people say that all right we will market in social media like how many potential customers you have now in your networks how many you actually reach how do you plan to do it so i think really like paying attention and testing it like check how much the google adwords are costing for your keywords do you have any chance of being there does it make sense like doing it and so on so i think listening the people sparring you and being critical for your ideas i think it's good and again you need encouragement to take the step but being critical and usually i think the best startups are when somebody have done like three or four failed startups before and then they usually know that how it should be done you have a more realistic view on yeah. things yeah yeah this was a sports tech research podcast Podcast presented to you by STRN, an initiative of Ghent University. Did you like this episode? Make sure to check out our website strn.co and let's get in touch.